time it normally takes to soften the edges of grief. Everyone can sympathize with this desire without believing that the techniques clustered around the term closure will help. Isn't that perspective freeing? It's not a one-size-fit-all solution. You might need closure for some things and be able to move on without it in other situations. Take each one individually to see where you are and what you need. As always, when you're in the thick of it, feeling overwhelmed with emotions and a responsibility to do something, back out. Reduce your mountain back down to a molehill by simply changing your vantage point. From this aerial view, you can see all sides and angles. Have you ever put a puzzle together? I know, silly question. Everyone's sitting at the table, working away, and then you have to stand up, right? Why? So that you can see the whole puzzle and how the pieces actually fit together versus working on an individual section. Sometimes, that's all you need in your own life. Stand up to get the full picture. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, don't be afraid to move on without having all the questions answered. Not every situation needs to be fully defined and not every situation offers you closure. Freedom from the old way of thinking can propel you into a future full of unlimited possibilities. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Somewhere through until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How I wound up here. All I needed was a rock that I could lean on. Hi, this is Pat Matheny. You're listening to Radio KBOO here in Portland. Andy looks a scream. Andy Moan, I woe. Andy Wallow, silver scream. Can't tell them apart at all. My name is Joseph Gallivan, and you're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guests this week are Elizabeth Leach. She's the owner and director of the Elizabeth Leach Gallery at 417 Northwest 9th. And Bruce Gunter, art historian and curator and former chief curator at the Portland Art Museum. They're here to talk about 40 years Elizabeth Leach Gallery because it's the 40th anniversary of the gallery. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus, Liz and Bruce. Thank you for having us. Joseph. Yeah, it's a pl- always a pleasure to be here, Joseph. So this is pretty exciting because we don't normally talk about commercial galleries. You know, we normally talk about art and shows and things that are happening. But anyone who knows anything about art in Portland knows that the Elizabeth Leach Gallery over 40 years has been always been there showing art, but is connected to so many other institutions nationally and internationally. It's, it's a 
you know, it's more than just a, a, a white cube. So, Liz, um, just tell us about where you came from. You arrived from Los Angeles, I understand. Well, right. I was um, born in Monterey, and I studied art history in high school and um, went to Scripps College, Claremont Colleges, to further study art and architectural history. And I met um, Richard Gruder there, who was connected to the art scene in L.A., he introduced me to Hap Tibby, uh, the light and space artist, and that was the movement um, in LA at that time. So I got very involved with the whole LA art scene and, and the rigor. And then Richard and I lived in Europe for a little while, in New York, and then he's from here. So we ultimately came back to Portland um, in 1980 and were inspired to start the gallery um, to bring in some of the artists that we had seen or our friends that we knew in LA, New York, and beyond. And in doing so, once we opened the gallery, we met a, a number of regional artists that we were very impressed with. I should just point out to the listeners, if, if you drive along Ninth Avenue in the Pearl at night, there's always this one window that's lit up with sort of pink and blue and orange lights. And that's, a, that's an actual sculpture by Hap TV, a light artist. So what is the name of that piece and why is it always on? Well, when we moved to the Pearl um, in 2004 from uh, Pine Street, um, I commissioned Hap to do the piece. It's called um, Light on the Horizon. And Hap is uh, actually from the Northwest and um, he studied at Claremont Graduate School and he's shown globally. Um, so I've always been affiliated with the light and space movement and I thought it would be kind of my gift to the the community to the street um, and it's a lot of fun and it's on the cover of the book as well mm -hmm. right so uh, Bruce can you can you tell us what was in in that time when when Liz arrived what was the ecosystem in Portland of galleries well the, Portland has struggled to keep a, a gallery community going and, and in the 1980-1981 the Fountain Gallery of Art was still operating um, and would would for another five years um, there were a handful of smaller galleries that had come and gone the image gallery with Barbara McClarty uh, who was showing artists of the 20s and 30s and her husband who never showed with the fountain gallery he was the outsider at the museum art school and um, a difficult person uh, but and so the gallery scene was trying to work in the shadow of a very big tree. Arlene Snitzer had really sort of developed the market as it existed. And when uh, Elizabeth Leach came to town, she was bringing a perspective that the other galleries didn't have. Her interest was mixing clearly the friends in New York and LA and Europe with the local scene. And I think her inspiration to open the gallery was always interesting because when she moved back to town, she fell in love with the sculpture in the in the Rose Garden by Lee Kelly. And what she always says about it is, if there was that kind of world-class artist living and working here, she f always felt that she could have a gallery. You know, and I, that was inspiring to me because two reasons. I think Lee Kelly is the world-class artist. He, he is, was, and will always be. And I also helped put that sculpture in the Rose Garden, so. Wow. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I, um, 
when I, when I got here, it was kind of hard to find a scene um, like we had experienced in California and New York where artists gathered regularly. And of course it was happening. I just didn't know where it was. But when I went to the Rose Garden and saw that gorgeous stainless steel sculpture um, that Lee did, I was like, wow, there's a really great artist here. I can live here. And then I was fortunate to meet Lee soon after um, the gallery opened. And actually we started working together in 1986 when I got him the commission for Arch with Oaks out on uh, Highway 26 at Cornell. So uh, we had a long um, rewarding relationship and his work is, is so strong and collected all, all across the, the country really. And I think also Liz, what was interesting is you, you immediately went out to the community and you met um, the people at the Portland Center for the Visual Arts and yeah. went on their board. And so yeah. there was an, you, you came with this engagement directive that's, and started a business group for the arts to try and build a sense of cohesion, I think, is the way I've, it felt in the early days. I was seeking people who were like-minded and, and because Portland Center for the Visual Arts had existed for more than a decade and brought all this contemporary art, they were um, the first group. I actually invited Mary Beebe and Melody Tupola to lunch in my gallery. And then shortly after I was asked to join the board. Um, and then the business community, I think Arlene Schnitzer had um, stimulated um, them to collect. And so there was a you know, a group that wanted to start the business committee for the arts. And again, anytime you have activity around art and collectors or art and business, you generate more activity and more conversation and people get excited. So I think that, you know, what I do love about Portland is it is a community, it invests in itself. And um, we've been able to, you know, start first Thursday. It was kind of after Jeffrey Thomas started Jameson Thomas there, there started to be a number of colleagues and Arlene passed the torch to Laura Rousseau. So at first there were just, you know, a few galleries here and there, there wasn't a cohesion. Um, but in the mid eighties, we were able to, um, with Bob Koch and um, Jeffrey and uh, Laura, myself and a few others start a group. And that started the beginning of a professional organization, Portland Art Dealers Association, which I started with everybody in 2003. I also reached out to artists like Tad Savinar, who was um, kind of on the fringes because he was more conceptual, and also to collectors like Ed Cadero. So there were pockets of people, and I think it, you know, I did try to gather everybody who was committed to art together um, and build on the excitement. Um, well, and I was in at the Seattle Art Museum in the 80s, and when I would come to Portland, there was a moment at which you felt the land shift. And I think it is in that kind of middle three years of the 80s when the, there were enough of young galleries starting and Arlene had felt the scene shifting and she, her interest in life changed. And then it gave space, I think, yeah. intellectually and financially for other galleries to come in, in and start showing more artists, younger artists, and artists who weren't connected to the museum art school. And that was an important moment in that middle 80s period. Yes, yeah. It's the seeds of, the seeds were planted for the um, community of galleries and nonprofits that we have now. Um, and, I, and I do have to say, 
speaking of Seattle, I mean, I used to go up there all the time in the 80s because it was more robust. And I think, frankly, we have a more robust gallery scene now than they do. Um, but then you did move back here and help us with the Con uh, Contemporary Arts Council. I think that was very important um, to bring collectors around and, and, and stimulate people buying from the regional galleries, which is critical. Well, absolutely. You know, and I think it's that combination of an artist, artist groups, galleries who, who support them and challenge them and encourage them, and the galleries that begin to collect to help people understand they can become collectors. And a lot of what we see in the 40-year book is the activities that the gallery has undertaken to grow a collecting community, to nurture a group of artists through some, some of your artists have been with you for 37 years. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's wonderful. But, but that, com that, that commitment to educating a collector class, to educating people that you can live with art and it changes your life, is something that as a curator at the museum, I felt committed to as well. You know, that we could form alliances and partnerships and, and support the galleries and the, the, the galleries couldn't support the museum. And we would grow a bigger community of audience and collectors. Liz, um, I think a lot of people wouldn't realize that selling art is not just, you know, someone has a show, they give you 20 paintings, maybe you sell 10 and you give them half the money. You do so many other things. You fly around the world, art fairs, business groups. To, how much of your work is actually that gallery focus for the month? Well, that's a good question, Joseph. I think it's a balance. I mean, I, I agree. People don't realize how much behind the scenes work there is. I mean, first, you're visiting the studio. You've got a, a conversation with the artist for over a year about what their work is. Then, then you've got to transport the work to the gallery. You've got to document it. Um, you've got to, you know, arrange the opening. So I think it, it, in terms of placing art in collections, it works on several levels. You cultivate relationships. You think about people that live regionally or nationally or beyond who would be interested in that artist. I do think that what I've done um, that's really important is I, I have a lot of relationships outside of the city um, and the idea is to bring attention to what we're doing here so that it creates bigger opportunities for our artists, maybe another gallery. Um, the art fairs are really critical for that. And, and events like Converge 45 um, and the Halley Ford um, Fellowship are critical that bring people into the city. So it all, you know, it's one pie sliced many ways um, to bring attention to what we're doing. And the artists too um, are out there and active um, and, and work with us to um, reach out to curators and writers and um, all of the people and collectors. All of this is that goes into making um, the sales happen in a gallery. My name is Joseph Gallivan. You're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guests this week are Elizabeth Leach of the Elizabeth Leach Gallery and Bruce Gunter, the former chief curator of the Portland Art Museum and an art historian and curator. I'd heard of the PCVA as a precursor to PICA, and I didn't know that Christy Edmonds was around 
was at the Portland Art Museum and then left and Pika came out of a meeting with you and Christy Edmonds and other people. Could you just take us back to that moment? Yeah, certainly. So Portland Center for the Visual Arts um, lost a lot of funding when the NEA um, stopped funding nonprofits and when actually the commercial art world started to become um, really successful and artists turned towards paintings and less of installations. So the some of the board people on the PCVA made an agreement with the Portland Art Museum that they would start a program called Art on the Edge. And they hired John Weber, who's the current director at the University of Oregon, after he's been in, in, at the Tang Museum and at the University of Santa Cruz Museum. And he hired Christy Edmonds. And um, she started to do all kinds of interesting contemporary programming, bringing Louise Bourgeois and whatnot. But um, there was a change of guard, and this happens often. Um, the Buchanans were hired, and their mission was different. And um, they wanted to put some of her programs on hold. And she was young, and we were all hungry to see more contemporary art. So the, a number of the business leaders and I met with Christy and decided to start the Portland Institute of Contemporary Art. And it's been going strong for 25 years plus, actually. And, and many cities have multiple organizations. So we, we should have more bandwidth in this city um, to support multiple contemporary um, venues as well as the Portland Art Museum. I, I think those collaborations are really important. You know, the 14 years I was at the museum, Liz and I collaborated on a number of things. And with the Clement Greenberg show, her 20th anniversary show became um, a, played off the Greenberg exhibition and collection that I had purchased for the museum in a way that invigorated collectors. People bought Hans Hoffman's. They, you know, they realized that Helen Frankenthaler was still alive and that work by Helen Frankenthaler could be part of their lives because of Liz's activity next to the museum's exhibition, which brought their attention into focus. And a lot of what happens in the intersection between artists, galleries, institutions, and the public is in that that almost pinball machine bounce of the ball from one pole to another pole to the goal. And that, I think, has characterized the 40 years of the Elizabeth Leach Gallery in an important way. And I, the book that we've produced to celebrate that anniversary um, outlines for history the hundreds of artists who've shown in the gallery and the context in which they were brought to this community and its elaboration in public programs and institutions that Liz has lent her support to. Well, I, I think Liz has this Zelig-like presence of popping up everywhere, as do you, Bruce, because the, uh, the brushstrokes um, sculpture outside the Portland Art Museum you were both involved in that, correct? Yeah. Well, you know, we discovered it together on Max Protect's summer home property um, outside of New York, and it was one of those things where we were developing the, the museum was developing the North Wing project, and I was the lead curator for that project to create a modern contemporary center. And I had worked with the architect to design a pad for a sculpture. And you know, I was looking at a series of works from de Kooning and Oldenburg. Then Lichtenstein came along, and I was 
in a private dialogue with a major minimalist sculptor in America who was not as interested in Portland as he should have been. And when Liz and Sarah Meggs and I drove by that, drove to that property to look at another artist's work on a trip to New York, there was the Liechtenstein and it, it rang a bell for me and it, it became a project that all of us pulled together then. Um, once I determined and got the move ahead to do good, then I had to negotiate this, the, the foundation, the Liechtenstein Foundation to bring it. But yes, it was a great project. There are many places where the gallery has created things from working on the initial setup of the Heathman Hotel collection to the ongoing exhibits that the gallery provided for the Heathman visitors and the community through the public rooms and public meeting rooms um, up until 2019. A unique sort of arrangement that Liz, with the bishops who owned the hotel initially, pioneered. Stevenson. Stevenson. Stevenson's, that's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm of a philosophy that activity creates more activity and, and education's always been part of that. So, you know, even at the Heathman, we would have talks and whatnot. And I, and I would just say back to the brushstroke, I think that was a great, the Lichtenstein was a great example of a strong collaboration between the gallery, the museum, and a philanthropic collector family. And, and, and it ended up being positive for the city. And I, and I do think there are other examples of other people doing things, planting seeds in our city that have made the infrastructure as strong as it is now. Um, but the Heathman also was, it was a validation. So I opened the gallery when I was 24 and people, you know, didn't think I had credibility. They didn't realize that I had contacts and I had expertise, um, of course, over these 40 years, I've gotten more experience, which helps a lot, and, and more confidence. I was very shy when I opened the gallery. I had to, I borrowed my mother-in-law's clothes. I put my hair up in a bun. I, you know, every time somebody came in, we were on the fifth, I would go, okay, I can do it. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to imagine today. <laughs> I had to I had to learn to be more extroverted. And I, yeah, it is hard to imagine, but there are people who have vouched for this. And I, I really believe still in the in the retail floor. I mean, I love talking to people about art, and and that's how Sarah Sarah Miller Megs and I met. She came in, and we started talking, and she asked questions, and we had fun, and you know, I think. And then art... you encouraged her to meet me. Yeah. And Sarah and I went through a series of lunches where we eventually decided one of the best solutions for her complaints about Portland would be to put a million dollars in the museum to support contemporary art exhibitions. Right. Ongoing, right? It, you know, th these kind of things happen in a in a community that has a and with people who have a sense of collaborating and a goal to make the community better, the institutions stronger, the artists more prosperous. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I, that's important. It's super important, and I think we have city commissioners now who realize how important it is. The institutions are extremely important. The artists are important, and the galleries and the, the colleges are part of the ecosystem. We've lost too many organizations, and we we really need to be proactive to keep our arms around what we have. And I just really believe <clears throat> that art should be accessible. And I, even though First Thursday can be a challenge, I think it's important um, to do so people feel comfortable walking in. You know, people 
we've just actually the last two days have had classes sit, sitting in the middle of the gallery. Um, the teachers are bringing their writing, you know, and I, that's, I wrote a paper a week on art history and uh, what I was looking at. So I think that accessibility is something many of us believe in. People don't have to feel pressured to buy art when they come into any of the galleries. They, they should feel free to come and look. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, collecting is how we stay alive, but they're, they're, it's important to um, cultivate what and continue to cultivate what we have, which is, is pretty powerful, actually, as a city, I think. Liz, when someone walks in the gallery, do you have a way of sizing them up? Can you tell <laughs> their intentions? You know, you want to, that is probably the, the worst thing you can do because you cannot judge a cover by its book. And um, fashion is not a strong suit in um, the Northwest. Um, I think it's really important, um, and my staff embodies this, to welcome everybody, make everybody feel comfortable. Um, we've had very many pleasant surprises. You'd be amazed at, um, things that happen um, because we've been friendly and accessible. We represent the artists. So we have two sets of clients, the artists and the collectors. It's our job to be uh, a catalyst for the artists. We do our best to explain their work, to make it accessible. I mean, many artists, I mean, Lee Kelly's a great example. He'd be so touched by somebody's interest, he'd want to give them a piece of art. <laughs> Maybe not a sculpture, but a drawing. So mostly I, the artists that I work with are so generous in spirit. Um, and I, I try to embody that in the way we approach it. So I do not size people up. Um, I think that's the worst thing to do. Um, and so hopefully that works in the long run for everybody. Curators, I would point out, probably have a slightly different take on that because you can always, you, you, a good curator will, will know how to assess jewelry and shoes. Good shoes and interesting jewelry are a sign of, that they have capacity. It's not necessarily that they're collectors or interesting people, but um, it does give you an assessment on their bank account, which counts for curators who are always raising money. <laughs> you're, always, you're always thinking in millions rather than tens of Yeah, millions. there are more zeros connected than are often at play in the local market. Although I will point out, thanks to Elizabeth Leach Gallery, million dollar paintings have been sold in this community. Liz, what's your plan for the next 10 years? Well, I feel like this book's almost like a, a trampoline. It's kind of freed me up because we've been able to document and catalog all the work we've done. Um, and I think it's just to continue growing um, on the platform that we've established. and. Um, so many of our artists are mid-career or beyond, and so we're doing um, more with museum work, so kind of deeper work with the artists. We're continuing to reach out to my national, international connections. We are going, we were invited to do Perry Photo, so we're going to be doing that in November. Um, Din Culey has a museum show there, so we'll feature his work along with Robert Lyons, Malia Jensen, and Justine Curlin. So it's, I guess I would say I'm still very ambitious and curious and you know it's, it's my job and our job at the gallery to continue promoting our regional artists and getting them out there um, which can mean a little bit higher prices um, but again it's, it's supply and demand um, and people should be happy the artists are getting more money as well as the gallery I guess but the artists are getting paid more 
Um, so we, we continue to bring in the national, international artists, participate in international, national fairs, and, and stay involved locally. Um, I have a very committed team. Daniel Peabody's been here 16 years. Gwendolyn Schrader, 13. Um, Kelly Brand is a fabulous uh, social media, and Louisa Geyer and Chris Waterton. Everybody's very committed to working hard on behalf of our artists and the collector base that we serve. So it's exciting. I mean, I feel still young. I still have a lot of energy and um, we have a lot of um, goals and ambitions that we're looking to accomplish. Bruce, what do you think stands out with 40 years of the Liz Leach Gallery in Portland? The thing that attracted my attention and kept me going to the gallery was Liz's absolute support of artists who are based here, but her way of presenting them with national and international artists' work so that we understood that the dialogue here was part of a bigger picture and that the artists actively were working in the same kind of intellectual, conceptual, and material dialogue that characterized contemporary art over the last 40 years. Thematic shows like a collage or textiles or two into three, two dimension into three dimension. All of those shows that over the decades have brought together sometimes an improbable group of people, but who could never be in the same party, but came to the same table with ideas and objects. And that's the that's the richness of what the galleries program for the last forty years has been. Thank you, Bruce. Those were really fun shows to put together and a great opportunity to bring things that um, I don't even know if you can bring them anymore. Solowit drawings, maybe Joseph Cornell collages, uh, Lee Krasner works on paper, Robert Motherwell paintings, um, and putting them next to Melody Owen collages. So, um, but, but there are things to, to look at for today, too. So thank you for mentioning those group shows. They were really rewarding to put together. My name's Joseph Gallivan. You've been listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guests this week were Elizabeth Leach, the owner of the Elizabeth Leach Gallery at 417 Northwest 9th Avenue in Portland, and Bruce Gunter, art historian, curator, and former chief curator of the Portland Art Museum, and the author of an important essay in the commemorative book, 40 Years Elizabeth Leach Gallery. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus. Pleasure, Joseph. Thank you. Thank you. Andy Esto es KBOO Portland, la radio comunitaria impulsada y empoderada por voluntarios. 
bienvenidos a un breve informativo en su estación comunitaria KBOO 90.7 FM. Hoy martes 